Hello, and welcome to Executive Insider. My name is JT O'Donnell, and I'm the founder and CEO of Work It Daily, the number one online career growth club. I'm helping 1 million people grow their careers, and that includes executives just like you. I coach a community of executives inside Work It Daily, where we talk about what it means to be an executive, how we can build our executive networks, and how we can take our executive careers to the next level. So get ready. We're about to share content only an executive insider can bring to the table. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Executive Insider. Today, I'm talking with Jason Winters. He's a global executive with a huge background in business strategy. He was kind enough to write an article for Work It Daily on project management, and it got a ton of traction. So let's get started so we can learn more about Jason. Hey, Jason. Hi, JD. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. So let's dive right into this. Can you tell everyone the journey you went through to become a global business executive? Yeah, sure. But before we get started, I just want to say how much I like your program, JT. We've been collaborating for about four months now. You know, you always learn something from somebody, no matter how much experience you have. And I got to say, the one thing that resonates with me until this very moment is intellectual humility. Because, you know, we're fellow Gen Xers. Before learning on the internet, our CPU was our brain. Right. So we had to commit large amounts of data to our brain and show no signs of weakness. You're the expert, uh, you know, at the flip of a switch, you have to know everything. So basically, you know, you had to boast to get the most. So thank you for that. And it really puts things in perspective, especially in today's environment where we have so much access to information and it's fantastic. If we know how to use those tools, it enhances how we learn. So thank you for that. But actually, I kind of got started by, by mistake, actually, because I was doing a, an MBA at the University of South Alabama. We had an exchange program with a business school in France. And, and instead of doing just the exchange program, I ended up doing the actual complete program. So I did have the MBA at that school as well. And they already had project management concepts that are being taught, but it wasn't really a formal curriculum. So when I got back to Houston, which is where I'm from, so it's, you know, oil and gas is like the number one industry. And, you know, I was specifically targeting jobs that were French companies that had a branch in Houston. So the interesting thing is I was looking through the paper in those days, it was going through the paper, the classifieds, now, the last page, very small ad, you know, it was a French company's name, but the ad was very nondescript. So I wasn't really sure what it was about. I had a lot of friends at the consulate. I asked my questions and they said, look, go for it because, you know, they're pretty well known in France. They may not be known here in the U.S., but go for it. So I go for the interview. I walk in the door. It's a parallel universe. You know, there's project management everywhere. It's like, you know, from purchasing to quality to, you know, scheduling to sales. You know, a lot of people have this, you know, this misnomer that sales and project management have nothing to do with each other, but they're actually extremely tied together. And I think I mentioned that in the article as well. So I got started in that specific job just to kind of test the waters. And it just opened up an amazing number of opportunities for me. You know, eventually I was in France at the home office, resolving cultural issues between the two, you know, the renegade Texans versus the French. And then it led to positions in Switzerland. And then it was Saudi Arabia. Then it was Argentina and just everywhere. But it was all with the project management twist to it. So it was mm -hmm. really interesting. because I had no idea that it really involved all of the functional areas. Thanks for sharing that. Okay. So tell us what gets you so excited about project management? Well, I always say what gets me out of bed every morning besides my seven-year-old when he's really hungry is just helping people, 
right? Helping people. Project management for me is a vehicle to not just manage projects, but it's also, it's a mindset. If you have your project management hat on, it's almost like a lawyer sometimes. You're analyzing things. You're questioning things. The philosophy they have in France about, you know, questioning things and validating. Basically, it's seeing someone that's struggling in a position, struggling through a process, you know, applying project management concepts to process improvement, customer engagement. It's such a vast field that, you know, literally it's been 25 plus years and I don't know where the time's gone. And really, I feel like I've just scratched the surface because there's so much more that I want to do with it. Right. So, you know, I've applied it to other areas, not just my own industry. You know, I've been able to do it in a volunteer role. That's been very satisfying. So really, I think it's just the vastness. It's the communication. It's the involvement, not just internally within the organization, but also with customers. Okay, tell me about the hardest project management job you've ever been on. How did you deal with it? Yeah, well, it wasn't supposed to be one. Just kind of like when I started my career, they're like, here, it's a company, welcome the door. Oh, my goodness. I've been in Brazil now since 2001. And in my company, you know, based in Rio, we bought a valve company, which is a family-owned company in northeastern Brazil. And the general idea was go there, introduce new product lines, get to know the people, and see what's a good fit to serve the local market, but also bring technology in, create jobs, and all that kind of stuff. So I had this big, huge business plan. It was fantastic. Four or five bases. It's got, you know, engineering. It's got machines that we're going to need. It's going to need the entire operational setup, intellectual property, you know, really interesting stuff, right? So day one, I go in there. Everything's great. Hi, everybody. I'm the new guy. They're like, oh, great. Nice to see you. Oh, great. You speak Portuguese. So good first day. So let's plan for the week. So day number two, I walk in the facility, walking down the hall to my new office, and I hear this really heated argument behind closed doors. I mean, lots of expletives, things that I can't repeat, but I'm like, wow, something is not going well or well in Denmark. So this door flies open. This guy, tall, I mean, seriously, six, five, seven feet tall, comes out furious, you know, red in the face, you know, just yelling, you're incompetent. You guys are irresponsible. What's going on? And then, in true solidarity, the guys inside the building says, hey, he's the new dog guy to him. I'm like, oh, talk about being put on the spot, right? So to make a long story short, that ended up being our customer, by the way. And he said, look, you've taken on $10 million of valve orders, and they are due next week, and you haven't even ordered the first component. So what is going on? So it was like huge, and I was totally blindsided. I had no idea. So I get an emergency call from my boss saying, you need to fly back to Rio now. So I get back and he says, oh, by the way, um, you are now the highest paid project expediter in the history of the planet. And you need to fix this and you need to fix it now because the entire company footprint in Brazil, which are five divisions, five locations, a thousand people, over a billion dollars in revenue is riding on this. Owen, good luck. So basically, and they gave me one resource, which was one of those GRDPs. I don't know if you know what that is, but those are elite trainees that spend two years in an organization and they go six months in different areas to learn about the business and then see which area that they were really enticed by. So basically I had that one person for six months and that was it. So, you know, what am I going to do? Unfortunately, you know, part of the management team that bought the company, you know, I, I knew them from another division inside the company. So we kind of strategized and said, look, we're not going to get more resources. So let's band together. You know, before it was a family owned company. They only had one P&L, one bottom line. And now they're part of corporate America. They have two P&Ls. They're two different divisions. And by the way, our division is profitable, but yours is losing money. So 
Am I painting a really great picture now? We'll get through this. But the problem is, oh, yeah, and I forgot. Our ERP system is really archaic, and we cannot communicate with yours, which is SAP. So what are you going to do? So I was like, okay, so there's anything more that you want to throw at me? Because so far, you know, I'm just loving it. What happened is, you know, they had zero procedures, you know, and they were really adapting. They were really going through a lot of struggles. So they had these other three GRDPs, by the way, that were just out there in limbo. So I said, look, I'll take all of them on my wing as a coach mentor, and we will implement procedures in all of your departments. And this kind of a adapted stage gate philosophy, because I love stage gates, gets me going. So I was like, okay, so we have all these stage gates. We're going to tailor it to the operation. And here we go. So, you know, and I used my GRDP, really great girl. And now she is doing very well in Dubai at the same company. But I said, you are my secret weapon. You will now take this seven foot tall person and you're only 4'11 yourself. And we're going to get it done. And we did. It was not easy. It took us about a year to get it done. But, you know, it's the smallest project that I really had managed. But yet it was the hardest one and it had the most writing on it. Wow. That sounds like you had your hands full with that particular one. So let's shift gears a little bit. Tell me, are there any trends you're seeing in project management these days? Yeah. Before COVID, I would have said there was four or five basic trends. But since COVID, it's digital, digital, digital. A lot of concepts like agile, you know, they have waterfall with the traditional type of project management with the hierarchy and the formal structures and the teams and whatnot. And then agile, you know, really tailored to the millennial generation. But there are certain projects that just can't be agile by definition. Mm -hmm. They're too complex or the timing. You know, you have an engineering background. You know what it's like to have a basic design and then you have a detailed design. And then by the time you complete the project, it's three or four years. So mm -hmm. agile, not going to work. But you can apply it to certain parts of the project to accelerate that, and that's great. Then there's VUCA, and VUCA is fantastic because in this, right now, we're living in a VUCA world, right? So it's all volatile, it's uncertain, it's chaotic. So we have to be able to apply project management principles to be able to analyze situations like that. And you also have, I believe you have a military background or military influence. Same here, I come from a military family. So for me, these types of situations, like you said, thriving on chaos, mm -hmm. love it. I just thrive on it. So, you know, right now, those are the trends. And then, of course, it's the internet of things. So the Internet of Things, you know, digital apps that we can use as project management professionals to help us, you know, do our jobs better, faster, to have more time to be strategists, to have more time to negotiate and communicate with customers mm -hmm. rather than doing this work. You know, as a project manager, 85% of your time should be communicating. And half of that is negotiating, by the way. So these new apps are going to help us. And I'm like, bring them on. The more apps, the better I'm ready. So something I want to talk about real quick with you is your background with nonprofits. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah, actually, I've had three experiences. The first one was actually the Olympics in Rio 2016. And that was fantastic because it wasn't really a formal project management mission per se, but it was definitely a volunteer. 85% are volunteers. So really, it's like in any volunteer situation or any nonprofit, it's really about a level playing field. Right. So you are going to be managing part of a project and you may not even have the top position in that, even though you may be a CEO like yourself. But in this situation, you are now a project scheduler because you want to do that. So it came from inside. You wanted to help people. So another thing coming back to that. But it's, you know, applying that in my real experience for the Olympics was fantastic because you have sculptors from all over the world. So there's a communication problem from the onset. And then they have their objectives. You know, what are they going to be able to do? How are they going to be able to make it? Because you have a live date. You know, I was specifically geared towards the closing ceremonies. That is a hard date. It's television. 
it's live and you cannot deviate from that. There are no deviations. So it was great to be able to help them kind of steer the content sometimes. And I said, look, how is that content going to land on live television? They may have the great broadcasting skills. They may have the technical skills, but are they thinking as a layman? I always say, you know, bring it back to who is your audience and how is it going to land to your audience? So that was great. And then, of course, being able to do that inside the actual Project Management Institute was fantastic because if you can do it inside the very institute that's just responsible for your profession, that's fantastic. So everybody in that team is either a PMP or even we had a past president on our project, a past president of our chapter. So it's really fantastic. But the one that I really really, really would like to be able to actually dedicate more of my time to is the United Nations. They have this whole online volunteer association. You can do lots of things with them. And right now I'm helping them, although I'd like to do more, with a educational program for underprivileged kids in India, Pakistan, and Bangladesh. It's the Anne Foundation. Fantastic. They have zero project management skills and they have all of this desire. They want to learn and they are really, really all over it. And it makes me feel really good to be able to do that for them. But again, Right now, it's a time issue, but you can apply project management concepts into that situation. That's fascinating. Another question. Who are some influencers or thought leaders within the project management space that you recommend people follow or check out these days? Well, okay, that's a great question. The very first job I had, I was telling you about the alternate universe that I walked in the door. The president of that branch, his name is Ed Tinnan, and he's just recently retired. And you know, he was really key for me throughout my career because not only he opened all these doors for all these opportunities, but he also put me on the management training team. And he also requested that we read a book. And the book is by Rick Pitino. So I don't know if you know who that is, but he's a basketball coach, pretty famous. And at the time, you know, he was coaching the University of Kentucky. So he wrote a book called Success is a Choice. And to this day, it resonates with me because, mm. you know, on a previous blog post I wrote on LinkedIn, you know, I say success is a scoped project deliverable, right? So really, you make your own success. And I think sometimes, especially in the U.S., we have that tendency of let's compare ourselves to the Joneses, you know, or let's compare ourselves to anybody anywhere in any situation. It's dangerous. Mm. It affects you mentally and it, and it holds you back. It was such an eye opener for me. Also like the concept of the business of one, by the way, I like that very much. But, you know, he said, you know, you, you build your own success, you make your own parameters, start small and build, and you have a solid foundation and you just keep adding on to it. You built that over time and you're not expecting an immediate return on anything. You know, it's going to be an investment, but you're also being realistic and not setting a goal that's so incredibly difficult to attain. You will frustrate yourself. That book for me resonates even today. So here's a radical question for you. How are you supposed to know the best way to design a career that suits your unique needs? Few of us were ever exposed to useful advice to help us make good career decisions. In the past, only pro athletes and wealthy CEOs could afford career coaching. Work It Daily was designed to disrupt the career coaching industry. We provide 24-7 access to career coaches for less than the cost of a gym membership. Like most professionals, you've likely struggled at some point to find a job or grow your career in a way that makes you feel happy and satisfied. Work It Daily can help you make sense of what to do next in your career. Career planning can feel daunting and lonely, but it doesn't have to be that way. Work It Daily will provide you with the structure and answers you need to take action and get the positive results you're looking for from your efforts. Because we know you have better things to do than stress about your job search or career growth strategy. You'll find us online at workitdaily.com or in your phone app store. That's Work It Daily. W-O-R-K-I-T-D-A-I-L-Y dot com. 
Visit to learn more or sign up today and get started with our career coaches immediately. Okay, so now we're shifting gears and I want to talk about job seekers who want to get into project management. What would you advise them? Okay, great question, by the way. Whether you're a seasoned project management professional or not, I would say project management and project manager are not mutually exclusive. That's the first thing. So a lot of people have that misnomer. They're like, oh, he's a project manager, but actually they might be a project scheduler or a project coordinator. So find out you know, whatever your skill level is, however long you've been in the profession, it doesn't matter. Make sure you understand how that hierarchy works and what are the skills required for each type of position. And second of all is look at the companies that you're targeting. Do they have a project management focus or not? Because some of them refer to it as an operational and I mentioned this in my article, oh, you're just part of the operation, but you know, it's a lot more than that. I say you're running a business inside of a business. So you have full P&L responsibility for your chunk of the pie. So you got to do it all. So I'd say right now, it's all about the soft skills. I've seen it everywhere, not just you, but it's every single day. Oh, this soft skill or that soft skill. But really, if you are a project manager or you've been a project coordinator, you already have, I'd say, a leg up on the competition. So you need to leverage your communication skills, your negotiation skills, and look around, hire a career coach. And I say, I like your platform very much. So that's why, even though I was looking at it from 30,000 feet, I have to admit for about six months, I really, I didn't make the dive. I didn't make the plunge, but I'm so happy I did. Even if it's not your program, like you say, get a career coach because HR is not your career coach. They're not, you know, and sometimes even I, you know, when I first started, oh, HR, they're going to give me this career track. They're going to give me training. They're going to make sure they, that I fill the gaps that I need to fill. That really should be your manager. And if you have a good manager and they're in tune to that, and usually in big corporations, you even have tools like career flow. I really like that one. It can help you develop your people, which is what you should do. If you're between jobs right now, or if you want to change jobs, and I would say, even in this digital situation, it's not impossible. First of all, look at, like you always say, your network is your net worth. I like that too. Leverage your network, but also if you're looking at jobs that are posted anywhere, use your project management thinking cap to scope it. So what are they really saying? It's like buying property, beachfront view, and you go to it and it has one little window and you can see it you know, a mile away. So what is this job ad telling you? Just like the very first job ad that I responded to. The only reason I responded to it, because it was a French name. So it must have been halfway interesting to me, right? Do your research. Like you say, pick out those companies that you're really interested in or an industry. And the great thing about project management is if you're at a dead-end industry or something that's going to disappear pretty soon or have a severe downsize, you can apply that to any industry. You can. Yeah. So that's the good thing about project management. I totally agree. So we have a couple questions from the audience here. Michael asks, Jason, can you tell us a little bit about VUCA and why you think it's better for our current work from home environments? Excellent question. Thank you for that. So VUCA, basically, if you're able to navigate uncertain times, so basically, like I was saying, <clears throat> no project is the same, no situation is the same. So really, in a VUCA world, you have to be able to think quickly on your feet, make snap decisions very quickly. You need to assess the situation, remove emotion. That's the big thing, because under VUCA, we tend to be really emotional when we get surprised by something or, you know, it's a major event. And that, and that might be happy surprise or bad surprise. <laughs> right. So the emotion, you know, even positive or negative will affect your ability to make a sound decision. So step back, analyze the situation, and then understand what's really going on here and, and remove the fluff. You know, remove the fake news, remove what someone's interjected their opinion. And it might be a valid opinion, but maybe you want to validate that yourself. All right. We got another question for you. This one's from Coley. 
What do you find is at the core of most cultural differences? How have you resolved some of those intense issues and differences? Because you seem to be an expert at diffusing them. It's a great question. You know, and I've always been really fascinated by human psychology, right? It comes naturally. You know, my mom is into psychology. My dad is a doctor. It's always about the human mind. And neuroscience, I think, is fantastic. I have a good friend in Argentina. She's an expert in neuroscience. I tune into her broadcast, you know, every week. Basically, cultural differences. Since I'm naturally curious about other cultures, you know, I've learned five languages. I've traveled to every continent, about 60 countries, because I've truly wanted to learn about people and not read it in a textbook, right? And even if you're online, sometimes it can be a little bit more challenging. But if you really, really are interested, first understand who you're dealing with. So if I'm going to send you to Saudi Arabia. That's a big cultural difference. So don't just go there and say, I'm going to apply my same project management methodology, my same Anglo-American culture to that. And since I'm working for an Anglo-American company, ergo, it's all going to be the same and we're all happy. But that's not it. You have to make the effort. And in most situations, even if you don't speak the language or if you're making an effort to speak the language, and if you're not being judgmental because people can reach you very easily, your nonverbals are at a distance. So they know if you are being sincere or not. So are you curious? Typically, putting yourself in the other person's shoes, always. So let's say like in Brazil, I know public transportation is a mess. People struggle sometimes just to get to work. So am I going to be really tough on someone that's 15 to 30 minutes late every day? I can't be. I can't be. I have to be sensitive to their situation. Now, are they going to make it up in a way? Are they still going to be performing? Give them the chance. Don't go in with a negative stereotype and don't apply your own lens to a situation. You have to really think about it from both sides and always step back, like in the VUCA world, step back and try to really connect. All right. We got another question from the audience. Jim is asking, your global resume is very impressive, Jason. What key learnings around global diversity and inclusion can you share with us? Excellent question. And again, I think multinationals have a really big role to play on this. They have, to a large extent, helped out the issue. And in some cases, not so much. It depends on the industry. But I think right now, it's all about diversity and inclusion. I see it you know, when I go to conferences, even in the oil industry. Oil industry is typically very conservative, but yet they have understood the need to open it up to all types of groups, not just white men. And there's still kind of a glass ceiling, I have to admit, when you get to certain levels of the company, but I still see there is progression out there. But again, if you're interested in that theme, look what the organization is doing about that. Do they specifically have departments? Do they have a social media presence talking about diversity and inclusion? and not just an internal procedure that they have to process or that they have to follow because the law tells them that they have to follow that. So are they really living or are they practicing what they're preaching? Jason, it has been so great chatting with you today. Before we wrap up, where can people find and connect with you? Okay, so I'm on LinkedIn under Jason Winters PMP currently in Brazil. So it's Rio de Janeiro. Uh, I think there's only two Jason Winters PMP that I've seen on LinkedIn. So always enjoy connecting with people all over the world, other industries, like exchanging information for me. That's really satisfying. Okay. Final question. I always turn it back to our guest. What's the one thing you want people to take away the most from this session? It's success. I, I'm, I'm, so your profession, it, you can be successful at any profession uh, that you choose, but I chose to be project management. It was a natural fit for me, but I would say really 
take the emotion out of stressful situations, especially today, we're all under, you know, lockdown, you know, COVID's not helping out, you know, we have to homeschool our kids sometimes, you know, stay positive. You know, the neuroscience is another thing. It's positive influences, a positive approach, a positive mindset will get you so much further and you'll be able to solve a lot of your problems. It's just stay positive. Don't let the negative get to you. All right, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. Another Executive Insider is on the books. Join us next time. And remember, if you want to win, you've got to work it daily. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Executive Insider. If you want to learn more about Work It Daily and how we can help you with your career or job search, visit workitdaily.com. If you enjoyed today's podcast, I'd really appreciate it if you subscribed and left us a five-star review. Don't forget to check out workitdaily.com slash podcast to get access to the resources and links mentioned in today's episode. Those can be found in the show notes. Again, thanks for listening. And I can't wait to share more with you on the next episode of Executive Insider.